Hello, America, and welcome to a special Monday edition. Yes, the Monday before elections edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. In just a few minutes, we're going to have Charlie Kirk, the founder of Turning Point USA, one of the biggest champions for President Trump on the campaign trail, a young conservative American who's made a big impact already in a very uh, early career of his. Uh, we're going to have him with his final thoughts, the final thoughts we're going to have before Election Day. Tomorrow, we're going to have Pillow Man, my pillow. Yes, my pillow CEO and founder, uh, Mike Lindell, is here. We're going to talk to him about what it was like to be on the campaign trail, stumping for President Trump, all of the work he did to retool his factories for masks and other protective gear during the COVID crisis, uh, and what's ahead for America after this election. So tomorrow, special guest Mike Lindell from my pillow and today charlie kirk from turning point usa we're going to get right to him in a few minutes i'm not going to do my normal monologue uh though we may have some breaking news tomorrow that i'll i'll get on the podcast tomorrow and tell you about but right now what i wanted to mention is a lot of people have asked me many times is it frustrating that uh the mainstream media won't cover the biden scandal or won't cover the true unraveling of the Russia collusion uh, scandal? The answer is no, because we live in an era today where there are so many uh, ways to get your story out that you're no longer uh, reliant upon the New York Times or the Washington Post uh, or NPR or PBS or ABC to reach the American public. And people say, well, I don't believe that. I, and I still get my news from the New York Times or I still get my news from the traditional outlets and, and there, there's a blackout and it's terrible. So I want to point out one thing that uh, we have on our site today. You can find this by going to justthenews.com right now. I did a special poll over the weekend, compliments of Scott Rasmussen, our pollster, and asked him to measure, is there any evidence that the Ukraine scandal that Joe Biden lied about knowing about his son's business dealings and uh, that his son and family were cashing in on his foreign policy agenda overseas in places like China, Russia, Ukraine, um, Kazakhstan, and uh, and find out, did that story actually get out or did the uh, censorship, did the blockade, uh, did the blackout in the news media and the social media giants prevent it from getting out? And for all of those who are depressed or worried about the future of America, I have good news for you. The blockades, the blackouts, the censorship didn't really have an effect. The story still got out. And I tell that that's um, uh, why uh, it's so important to continue to get facts out and not worry about what the trending media is, what the national media are talking about. You can still get around those media. And, and do that. And so the, here's what the poll found. 73% of Americans, uh, of the 1,200 likely voters, so these are Americans who are likely to vote, 73% said they knew about the um, uh, Russia and Ukraine scandals and Joe Biden's role and the concerns about them. And of those who knew about it, 53% said they believed that uh, Joe Biden had, in fact, engaged in an in inappropriate conflict of interest, had allowed those things to happen. This poll we just put up this morning, but what does it tell you? It tells you that all their power, all their reach, all of their things, the mainstream media, Facebook, Twitter, uh, can't suffocate facts. Facts are stubborn, and they get out there through word of mouth, through podcasts, through my own posting, your posting, but all the work that Sarah Carter and myself and uh, Molly Hemingway and all the reporters have done on Biden, uh, Rudy Giuliani, all the things that have come out, 
it seeped into the American consciousness. People made a valued decision about it. They believed the truth, and no amount of censorship, no amount of um, uh, blockades and blockout, blackouts can stop it. I think that ought to make you feel good as you head into Election Day, that even with monopolies, even with um, bias, even with uh, censorship, even with um, uh, intentional efforts to thwart American democracy, uh, the system still works. We still can get honest and true stories out. And I'm grateful for that poll and to Scott Rasmussen for putting it into the weekend lineup and getting us some real data. 72% of Americans have heard about the Biden story. That's a lot more than I would have thought of. And of those who've heard it, 53% believe there's a scandal there. That's a pretty impressive number. Something to think about as we get ready for uh, our next momentous election day, perhaps the most momentous election day in history. Now we're going to get to Charlie Kirk in a second. Uh, People have asked me, when you boil it down, what are you going to be looking for tomorrow, John Solomon? What, how do we know how the race is going to break? And here is what I'm going to say. These are the things I'm going to be looking for. First, uh, how much of the Republican vote, the early vote, turned out for Trump versus uh, Joe Biden? If Joe Biden makes enormous inroads and Republicans who voted early are breaking towards Um, Biden by 10 or 15 percent, then Donald Trump is in trouble. If, as the polls show, uh, Trump enjoys a 92 percent approval rating in the Republican Party and therefore 92 percent of the Republicans who voted early um, are uh, supporting Trump, then I think Trump has a very good shot of winning based on the election day turnout. Now, that's the second thing I'm going to be looking for. How big is the election turnout on election day? If you see long lines, if you see lots of people voting, that is good for Donald Trump. If uh, the lines are normal or slightly smaller than normal, it's good for Joe Biden. You'll be able to tell early on in that. Then I think there are three constituencies where I would want to look. The first is blacks and Hispanics. So watching Miami-Dade County, watching some of the big urban centers in Michigan and Philadelphia, Uh, What do those look like? What are they doing? And is Trump outperforming his 8% black vote, uh, his 40% Hispanic vote? Uh, There's some late data suggesting that both African-Americans, particularly younger African-Americans and Hispanics and Latinos are trending Trump's way in the last few weeks. The first place you're going to see that is in uh, Florida, because Florida closes at 7 o'clock at night. We'll be able to see what that looks like. And by 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock, we'll see it in Arizona. Those are two states to see whether the Hispanic vote particularly breaks Donald Trump's way. And African-American vote, we know we're going to see it in Michigan. We're going to see it in Pennsylvania. Uh, we're going to see it in Georgia. Uh, it's going to be very interesting. But that's the second place I'm going to be looking. The third place I'm going to be uh, uh, looking for are the blue working-collar counties of America, uh, Cuyahoga County, um, the area around Youngstown, Ohio. Those are That's an early call state, Ohio. We'll know early on if Trump outperforms in places like Youngstown, uh, in the suburbs and, and area around Detroit, in some of the uh, manufacturing belts of Ohio and Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh area, uh, then you know that Trump is going to have uh, uh, done well. Uh, if he hasn't, 
uh, and he's running about the same of where he was last time in those blue-collar uh, hotspots of America, then I think you got to watch for uh, a possible Joe Biden win. And here's why. Something that doesn't get talked about a lot, there is no Green Party candidate this time. Last time they took 3 to 4% of the vote uh, in the key swing states like Wisconsin and um, Pennsylvania. This time the Green candidate is not drawing nearly as much in the polling. So that means that President Trump has to make up those 2 to 3% that went to the Green Party uh, in 2016, in addition to all the early voting and other things. So those are the things I'm looking for. Um, uh, the blue-collar vote, African-Hispanic vote, size of turnout. Did Republicans who voted early break away from Donald Trump or stick with their party? All of those put into a mixing bowl will give us our election results on Tuesday night. All right, when we come back from the break, uh, Charlie Kirk from Turning Point USA here to give us the latest and the very last prediction we're going to have on Election Day 2020. We'll be right back after these messages. Hey, folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you out at your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, my good friend, the founder of Turning Point USA, Charlie Kirk. Welcome to the program. Glad to be here, John. Thanks so much. Big yeah, day. It is, absolutely. 24 hours from the countdown. It's amazing. We're going to know tomorrow night who won. So you've been out in the trail a lot. I know you've been doing a lot of work for the president and his campaign and, and getting out and talking to people. Where do you think America stands at this 24 hours out before Election Day? Yeah, I, I'm not going to make any big, bold predictions like some people say that uh, Trump's going to win with 330 electoral votes. Some people say Trump's going to lose to Biden with 330 electoral votes. I see lots of different pieces of data, and I'll also pair that with what we're seeing on the ground. Uh, President Trump's done very well with early voting across the country. The late surge of voter registration numbers in the states that matter is very positive for the president. And also that Des Moines Register poll over the weekend 
That should be a fire alarm for Democrats. I mean, Biden hitting a ceiling of 41 percent, Trump opening a seven point lead and breaking with independence. I was on the phone with uh, a really good friend of mine who's run national campaigns. I won't say his name, but you would know who it is. (laughs) And we were both chatting on Saturday, two hours before the Des Moines Register poll. And we both said, we're seeing it in the ground. When are we going to see it in the data? Because polling is always not a leading indicator. It's a lagging indicator. It is. It's often a week behind. Can be. Oh, yeah. It's about a week behind. And so because we I've been doing these rallies, we've been doing a lot outside of the campaign at Turning Point Action, just trying to fill in the pieces uh, where we think the campaign uh, doesn't have the coverage to do everything. Right. And we have been seeing so many stories, John, of people that come up to us. and They say, I was a Democrat. Now I'm a Trump supporter and I didn't vote in 2016. And when you hear that a couple thousand times, right. you wonder if that's if that are you is it as confirmation bias? Are you seeing something that you want to see? Or could it actually mean that the pollsters are missing something? And then all of a sudden you're starting to see the polls now correlate. Three out of the last four polls in Pennsylvania show President Trump up in Pennsylvania. Early voting numbers in every state, Florida, North Carolina, Texas, Georgia, Ohio, are favorable to the president versus 2016. So, look, the president could win, the president could lose. But I reject this kind of Nate Silver way of approaching it where he says 90% chance, I wouldn't handicap the odds like that. Yeah. I think it's a coin toss, right. and I think it's a turnout game on election day. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And I think anyone who thinks it's a 90% likelihood is uh, is not taking a, a really serious look at it. The late energy, when you look at these rallies and you look at not only the the size and the energy of the rally, but the makeup of the rally, you see lots of Hispanics, lots of African-Americans. I see a lot of young people, which, you know, we keep being told young people are just, you know, breaking from the Republican Party. It seems as though a very eclectic coalition has come together and get got energized by the president's last run of, of campaign rallies. Are you seeing the same thing? Totally. And for good reason. The president is on the right side of these lockdowns. The lockdowns have really hurt American families. And I think the Democrats have completely misanalyzed this. Young people don't want their country locked down for another nine months. They can't survive that. And neither do Hispanics or blacks who own a lot of small businesses and their first time first generation business owners, a very important distinction where they've put their entire intergenerational wealth into a laundromat or a restaurant or into, you know, just a a corner shop. And they can't survive another couple months of shutting the country down. And if you have seen you've seen, John, as the president has been on the right side on the lockdown issue, his numbers of independents, women, Hispanics and blacks have improved. The second that issue, I think, has actually really benefited him. Yeah, no, it, uh, it's going to be interesting because that'll be one place where the pollsters will have had it totally wrong, right? Because they keep yeah. saying the president's weakness is COVID. And I think we're going to find out there's a strong possibility we're going to find out that that isn't the case. Um, when you look at the other issues that are resonating and, and you know, every election turns down to a singular question at the end of the day, uh, it seems in the last couple of weeks in the polling data I'm seeing that the, the question that America's, Americans are going to decide this election on is which America do you want to live in? Do you want to live in the lockdown, socialist, trending, uh, violent, anarchist uh, ways of, of you know, we see in Philadelphia, Portland, Chicago, or do you want to live in the prosperous ways that we had just before COVID struck? Do you think that that is the message going in and that's the question upon which uh, voters are going to make their decision tomorrow? Yeah, and I also think that the, for the eight to 10% of people that are undecided, which is an incredibly high number, we it have is. to understand that's hundreds of thousands of human beings in the battleground states. Right. 
if you don't hate Trump by now, then you're waiting for a Trump. You're waiting for a reason to vote for Trump. That's what I'm going to say. If by after all of the deluge of, mis- right. of misinformation and, and just bad reporting towards the president, you're still not in the category of anti-Trump, then you're waiting to break in that direction. You just might not like his style and you might not like some things that he tweets. But the president has been on message. His rallies have been phenomenal. Uh, He keeps on saying a similar message, which is, I'm going to protect the American dream. Let's get back to our normal way of life. Our country can be great again. And in a very interesting turn of events, he's almost saying the same thing he said in 2016 because of the lockdowns. He's not really running on an incumbent message. He's kind of running as a challenger message because of all of the very unpredictable nature of the last six to nine months. It's really noticeable. Yeah. Yeah, so he's like challenging the status quo. And I think to myself, you're flying an Air Force One challenging the status quo. <laughs> and again, this if the media had any sort of integrity outside of your wonderful website, that's just an interesting story to cover. It is uh, regardless if you love or hate him is that the president is running as if he's challenging the incumbent, which he kind of is. He's challenging a predominant viewpoint. Yeah. Right? So he's challenging an orthodoxy. He's challenging a. Um, singular point of view that you must shut down your country. We must now go back the ways of France, Germany, and the United Kingdom, where we lock everything down. We must go do what Charlie Baker's doing in Massachusetts, where he says, if you leave your home between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m., just announced, you're in violation of state orders. America does not want that. We know how this virus operates. We know who's at risk. We know what we have to do to help them. Death rates and hospitalization rates are down. Cases are up because we have more testing. And cases, I think, is a completely irrelevant statistic. And people want their life back. They want their schools open, their economy open. And I think there is an understate. There's a and the polling shows this. The polling shows that even people who don't like Trump know he's better on the economy. Yeah, they that's know interesting. That. Yeah. And and every week that goes by and all of a sudden you start to see the mortgage payments are due again and you start to see that, you know, the credit card bills are coming and you think to myself, Maybe I'm going to vote for the guy who I think's a jerk, but he'll get us back to raise rising wages and our country being open. Don't discount that, especially. And this is a really awesome thing, a really interesting point, I should say. The president has been on offense. There's not really been a negative story where the president's had to play defense in the last two weeks. You have the Hunter Biden FBI investigation, 33.1 percent GDP growth. Lil Wayne Wayne uh, endorsing President Trump or at least saying very positive things about President Trump. The president has really had like two weeks of uninterrupted time to pitch the American people. And Biden Biden doesn't have any. He's not countering it. He's just saying time to pack your bags, Trump. Like we got that point. OK, are you right, going to say right. anything new or exciting that will get people to your column? Yeah, it's it's absolutely fascinating to watch the, the last two weeks of the race. I don't think I've ever and I've covered every race in 84. I don't think I've seen a candidate play it as safe as Joe Biden ever in the history of of presidential politicking. I mean, and there's a real danger that if people uh, interpret that playing it safe as um, uh, disinterested, overconfident, or simply he's given up, uh, that's going to that's gonna uh, weigh against him heavily on election day. What are the states you're looking to watch tomorrow? I mean, uh, where, where is your eye going to be laser focused on? Well, I have about 15 or 20 counties that I'll be focused on because we've been doing work in those counties. We've been right. up with advertisement and turning with our 501c4 turning point action. And so we're going to really be looking at a couple counties. I'll be first and foremost super interested in uh, Mahoney County, which is eastern Ohio. Sure. Uh, I think the president will win Ohio, but I think this is a bellwether. If the president shows he's doing better in that county than he did in 2016, I think he's going to win everything. If he's uh-huh. doing worse, 
that we're going to have, I think he'll have a more difficult road. Right. But the areas that I'm going to be most interested even more are the urban areas. I think that the pathway for Trump is, can he do a little bit better with blacks, do better with Hispanics, and how many are actually going to turn out? And if I was a Democrat strategist, I'd be very worried at the lower voter turnout we've seen out of the urban centers. The only exception is the vote by mail in Philadelphia. That's right. the only place they've done better. Right. But those are high propensity voters and newly registered voters, which are most likely to vote. Are we going to see 08 or 2012 style turnout in Philadelphia like we did when Obama ran, where they had lines all the way to New Jersey? Probably not. I don't I don't feel that excitement. I don't see that excitement. And the riots and the looting in Philadelphia yeah, do not have help an Joe Biden at all. Yeah, no. yeah, it's going to have a backlash, not to mention the blue collar workers in Philadelphia. They love President Trump, the police officers, their families, the kind of middle class work ethic of kind of suburban, almost suburban, urban Philadelphia, I think, is really going to benefit the president. And then the president then has to run up the score in rural Pennsylvania. He has to outdo his numbers in Oil City, in right. Montoursville, in Erie, Pennsylvania, I'm going to be looking at. And then I'll be very interested. Scranton, Pennsylvania. President Trump almost won Scranton back in 2016. Yeah. Is there going to be kind of a hometown uh, homecoming for Joe Biden who hasn't been there in 65 years? We'll see. Then I'm going to look in Florida for Miami-Dade County in particular, and then Collier County, which is very, very Republican and a right. lot of seniors. Um, I think the president carries Florida. I think he's going to do it in convincing fashion, which means you won, but you win by one point. That's a blowout. Yeah, in Florida, in Florida that is a blowout. Yeah, <laughs> hard to think I'll that, be, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then I'll be very interested. I mean, I I care a lot about um, uh, Arizona. We're headquartered there. We've spent right. a bunch of money and time there. Uh, Maricopa County will determine the entire state. Uh, if the president can win independence and run up the score with Republicans, he's going to win the state of Arizona. Uh, he's going to run up the score in Havasu, Billhead City. Uh, in yeah. Wickenburg, all those other rural parts the rural of the state. Parts, right? uh, yeah, Prescott, all of that. And so, look, there's kind of a collection of 15 or 20 counties that will determine everything. But I am really curious if the Democrats' overconfidence and their lack of a ground game, they have no ground game. Are they going to be able to generate long lines in urban America to offset what is going to happen tomorrow? And if all polling is even close to correct, 70% of people that goes to the, go to the polls tomorrow are going to vote for Donald Trump. Yeah. Now, some people say that's not enough, but Trump, the president did record very well in early voting. So there's a path. And I don't think I think the most likely state to break is Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's a, that's the one that I think everyone in studying the data right now, it looks like it's really in play. And I think all the energy and all the time that the president has spent there the last couple of uh, weeks of course, uh, Joe Biden has showed up a few times now, too, uh, tells you that that state is clearly in play and probably uh, the one that we'll be uh, hanging on to and, and maybe even going to court to to, to look at. When, when you look at young uh, voters, obviously, you've created one of the great youth movements in America. I want to say youth, uh, young adult movements in America. Um, where uh, do you think uh, millennials come out of this election? Uh, they seem to be you know, steadily in the blue corner, which means, you know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, there could be a big change. Are you seeing any dynamic changes in that? And are there changes like among young African-Americans? One of the things I'm seeing in our polling data is that young African-Americans are becoming more Republican, more Trump uh, than either their parents or their grandparents. Are you seeing some of that? And what are you looking at in the millennial vote? Yeah, we are. I, I've never said I don't think that Trump will win the millennial vote. I think he'll do better, though. I really do. I think that the president will do better amongst younger voters that are starting to try to build a life and actually are starting to see a lot of the financial um, costs of 
you know, living outside of just the college bubble. Sure. I think the president is going to actually win uh, 18 to 22 year olds in certain states. I think the president's going to do really well with younger voters in Wisconsin, wow. in Ohio, um, and in some of the southern states. The reason is this, is that uh, some of these college campuses are completely closed. Uh, voter registration is down 94% at Ohio State University. Right. Uh, typically, a Democrat can count on seven to 10,000 votes from Michigan State University, no matter what. Just mail it in. Wow. They're basically closed. There's no canvassing. There's no GOTV. And a lot of those are out-of-state voters. That's transfer growth. Uh, that is, uh, that's coming from Indiana to Michigan state or right. Illinois to Michigan state. And they re-register that's completely off the table through zoom class and, you know, kind of shutting down campuses. However, I'll say this, the conservatives, no matter where they are, the young conservatives, they will vote. Um, and we are starting to see data that young conservatives are way more enthused to turn out. Um, they're less likely to publicly prof profess or proclaim their support. And I think a lot of the pollsters are going to be very surprised when they start to see some of these college districts uh, be a lot more competitive for the president. Again, I'm not I'm not a guy who's going to say that Trump's going to win the youth vote. I don't think right. that's going to happen. Right, I think right. they'll naturally get more conservative as they get older. But also keep an eye on Hispanics. I think that President Trump might actually win Hispanics in Florida, Texas and Arizona. Uh, you're starting to see record movements, especially yeah. with 30 to 45 year old Hispanics that are very mm. much invested in the American way of life. And what do you think it is that, that has made him suddenly resonate uh, with, with this constituency? Uh, we're seeing it here. I, we see it in a couple of places, right? We see it in younger African-Americans yeah. and, uh, you know, under the age of 40. And we're seeing it in Hispanics, particularly middle-aged Hispanics, uh, men and women. Uh, what do you think are the sudden synergy points? And, and what does this mean for the Republican Party long term? Yeah, I'll start with the black community. Uh, at Turning Point USA, we really did a lot the last couple of years to try and draw attention to kind of this black uh, exodus from liberal thinking. Mm -hmm. uh, and Candace Owens has done a lot on this. Sure. Brandon Tatum, they were on the cutting edge of this. And you're starting to actually see that this is turning into a real thing. This is not just conservative popcorn. Uh, this is going to be real substance. And I'll say this. I think that the president deserves a lot of credit, though. Uh, he deserves credit because he's actually asking blacks for their vote. Right. Uh, he's going into their communities. Uh, he's meeting with rappers. He's unafraid to continue to ask for um, black Americans to support him, despite all the names that President Trump has called. One of my favorite storylines of this election, if it proves to be true, what I think is going to happen is that white liberals don't vote for Trump because they think he's a racist, but black Americans get him reelected. Wow. I just I, I can't wait. To, I, I don't know if that's going to happen. A lot of the data is trending that way. Sure. Uh, but if black Americans even vote for Trump in 10 to 15 percent, it's a win for President Trump. He wins uh, decisively. And I will say this with young with younger Hispanics and younger blacks, I think that they believe the overly um, the over dogmatic positioning of the Democrat Party, where it's you're not a black person if right. you don't support Democrat policies. Yeah. It's insulting. And for free thinking young people, they, they don't want to be told what to do. And they know that that is such a poor argument. And quite honestly, it's kind of racist to tell somebody that Maxine Waters came out and said yeah. that I will never forgive black Trump supporters. I don't know what's going on in their heads. It's actually going to have the reverse effect. You're going to have black males that are going to be like, you can't tell me what to do. Exactly. Like, I'm going to support Trump just because you're saying that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it is remarkable. And I, I think there is that moment of boomerang. And so, you know, President Trump's got eight. I think the best that any Republican ever did was 10% uh, of the black vote with uh, 
with um, George Bush in 2004. If he breaks beyond that, if he goes 10, 11, 12%, which some polls are now showing him at, uh, it will be a real problem for Democrats. They won't have a pathway to victory. It's, that's how significant the shift could be. When you uh, look at the Senate races, House races, anything that you're looking for in the bellwether races there, it looks like Joni Ernst is going to be safe in Iowa. You're going to pick up, uh, the Republicans are going to pick up uh, Alabama, right? Doug Jones is probably not going to win. Where do you? Where else uh, are you watching for bellwether races on, on uh, Tuesday night? I got a sleeper one for you, the Minnesota yeah. Senate race. Yeah. I think the Minnesota Senate race can flip. I'm seeing early voting numbers that are phenomenal. And for a lot of the suburban voters that don't like Trump, but they want a Republican check on the riots and the anarchy. Right. I think his name's Jason Lewis. I right. It's either he's running up against Senator Smith. Smith, he's yeah, Smith, congressman. right. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, he couldn't campaign the last couple of days because of uh, he had a medical issue. I think he's back on the trail now. But that's a sleeper. Uh, don't be surprised because the Iron wow. Range is now reliably Republican. He's been working that district. He's well liked in the suburban areas of Minneapolis. It's a one point race, John. It's wow. a one point race, according to uh, the latest improbable thinking in Minnesota. No, I, I, I love the sleeper races. Yeah. I, I like those the most. Yeah, they are uh, the most because, fun, aren't they? Because all the national money has been. And this is if he wins. It will be the ultimate overconfidence of political strategy I've ever seen. They've pumped $80 million to try to defeat Lindsey Graham. Yep. Guess what? Lindsey Graham's going to win by 8 to 10 points yeah. tomorrow evening. I, yeah. I hate to break it to you. Your yeah. hatred yeah. will no. not turn into his defeat. No, he's going to win. Yeah. Yeah. I think Senator Perdue will win in Georgia because right. President Trump, I think, bailed him out last evening in right, Rome, right. Georgia. Right, right. Um, John Ossoff has run a really good campaign. He has. He's him. been a real strong he, candidate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm impressed with him. He's just. I don't think the state's there yet. Right. Um, and I say that as a Republican. He's run a really, really good race. Yeah, I agree um, with you. I hope the state never gets there. I hope Tom Tillis comes across the finish line. North Carolina is traditionally one of the hardest states to poll because it's such a diverse state. It is. You have three big urban areas, Asheville, Raleigh, and Charlotte. you got right. western North Carolina, which is super conservative, and eastern North Carolina, which is super conservative. So it's just hard to put all that together. But I think Tom Tillis has a chance of pulling it off. I hate to say this. I think Cory Gardner's done. I think that yeah, Hickenlooper's going to win. Definitely. Um, Susan Collins, impossible state to pull. She might pull it off. Um, she really might because that state's a one-third Republican, one-third Independent, one-third Democrat. Yeah, she's, she knows she's, her state. She's got a great machine. She knows what it's going to take for her to win. She'll know early yeah. uh, whether or not she's going to win or not. And I think the president's going to help her in Banger uh, in CD2. Um, and then I think Martha McSally might pull it off in Arizona. I really, really? do. Wow. Um, I, I, I'm seeing some really good polling of her finishing strong. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have told you that a week ago. I know Martha, I, she's a friend of mine. I really hope she, she closes it out. Democrats are not going to win in Texas. They're not going to win in Kentucky. These were right. all really, these are Hollywood funded pipe dreams where these people come in and they raise $20 million. Go, go, please continue to go waste money on these races. Yeah. And then John James, I don't know. John James got a tough race there. Um, I, I don't know if he's Michigan be Senate. Able to pull it off. Yeah. yeah, the Michigan Senate race. He's exactly. been in striking distance, which makes it really interesting. You know, when you look at yeah, the polls, I, but for suburban voters that don't like Trump, I would think that's kind of a safe haven, right? Right. right. Suburban Republic for suburban center right people that don't like Trump's tone and they want to return to normalcy. Um, I would hope that at least they would go vote for, you know, John James and President Trump going to Grand Rapids tonight is going to help John yeah, James significantly. Without a doubt. So look, if, if, Republicans can hold one out of the four. I think they hold the Senate. I think Joni right. Ernst will win in Iowa. I'm yeah, confident definitely. of that. Yeah, um, yeah the numbers looks like show that. Surging at the right time. Right. Uh, so if Republicans can just win one out of Colorado, Arizona, North Carolina, Maine, the least likely is Colorado. Right. Then Arizona, then Maine, North Carolina. The Repu the Senate, I think, will stay in Republican hands. If I can talk about a couple House races, really. Please quick, do, because we got those thirty Trump districts that uh, could go one way or the yeah. other. Yeah. 
So one of them is Genevieve Collins in Dallas. I right. really like. I think she can flip that. I hope she does. Um, I really like uh, Young Kim in Orange County. Yeah. Uh, and Michelle she came Steele. close I, last time. Oh, ballot harvesting where she went yeah. for freshman orientation and they re, they kind of uh, went back on her. Amazing. So I really think that they're. Um, I, I hope that she'll be able to pull that off and she looks really uh, really strong and confident in that. Um, I also like uh, the new race, Alex uh, Skerologos. Uh, he's got a Greek name in Eastern Oregon. It's looking right. really good for him. I think that's a flip that can uh, definitely. Um, wow. um, That'll I be one of the unexpected ones. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sleeper. Uh, don't be surprised uh, if that one happens. What about Central um, Virginia? What are you seeing in the Central Virginia race where Spamberger is? Uh, it's going to be a toss up. Yeah. I, I just Virginia has gone through a lot of different demographic uh, changes. You know, changes. Yeah. I haven't seen any recent polling there, but. I would be surprised if that one does not trend in the Republican direction. And a lot of these Pelosi flips, the other one's New Mexico. Right. Uh, Zoctel Torres, I think, is her name. I think she's in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Uh, Pelosi has put a ton of money into that race. So I think that Republicans could comfortably flip 10 or 12 seats, which would be amazing. That would put them in striking distance yeah. for the 2022 midterms to take back the House. And there is a chance that Republicans do take back the House. It would take the problem is that it would take Illinois 14 and Illinois 6 to be flipped. Yeah, uh, GDI those are pretty tough. Yeah. Those are tough, tough races just because of how much people hate Trump right. in that part of the world. Yeah, uh, but the suburbans. I, yeah, precisely. And so all things being equal, I also love um, just kind of looking at some of these longer, uh, these way long shot races. I don't think she's I, she might win Kimberly Klasik. I'll right. be super interested to see how she does. How can a black Baltimore. Republican yeah. $6 million cash on hand who runs a great race, who actually campaigns? What can a Republican do? I'm just just from a political science standpoint, that's an interesting. Yeah, it's a fascinating thing. race. Yeah. Yeah. And it probably speaks volumes to to the uh, extraordinary door that Trump has opened to the African-American yes. community, to all these cities that have been under Democratic rule for 40, 50, 60 years that, you know, what what do they have to lose? And I think that's the argument she makes. What do you have to lose in taking a chance? Give us a that's shot. Exactly and, right. That, that, that yeah. can sometimes become a very powerful uh, argument. Obviously, Baltimore's got a big machine. Uh, where where do you think the Democrats, is there any one place where you think the Democrats are going to surprise people? Do you have any sleepers, uh, surprises for the Democrats? Yeah, um, they definitely put a lot of money into those Senate races I mentioned. I think that Mitch McConnell's done a great job of normalizing those races. Right. I think the Amy Coney Barrett fight was kind of like a $1 billion in-kind contribution right. to at-risk senators because right, right. it gave them something to get in the local and statewide news, all the yeah, newspapers all the to show through. what they're doing. Um, it was phenomenal. It was an act of brilliance by Mitch McConnell, and I'm not one to go out of my way to compliment him. <laughs> that's right. He, yeah, that's true. I've, I've done my fair share of criticism of sure. uh, his Senate leadership, but he's been phenomenal with that. Um, I think the Democrats, uh, they could, and this is just their path to victory, they could surprise us all. They could surprise us all where all these early voting Republicans uh, could be that only 82 percent of those are voting for Trump. Yeah, it could be that uh, that some of these older Republicans are voting for Biden, that it's because his handling of the virus or his tone and all of the early voting advantage that we think we have. We really don't. Yeah, um, I think this is unlikely. I don't see any polling to reflect this. I see no anecdotal evidence to reflect this. And the radicalism of the Democrat Party does not make this argument more likely. Uh, the more they've embraced BLM and Antifa, the stronger Trump's hold on the Republican Party has been. And we don't see this in any sort of metrics, but there could be a hidden Biden vote. And I don't dismiss it. Yeah. Um, if Biden wins, it'll be that just like there was a hidden Trump vote in 2016, there were people in Trump districts that yep. that hated Trump and they came out in big numbers they to go vote. Over. That's their yeah. pathway to victory. 
Um, and, and you can see that their strategy was played that every day rolling out a Republican who's flipped parties for him. Yep. That's been a big part of their of their strategy. And, and certainly, I don't see that in the macro trends. Right. I don't. I don't right, see right. that in voter registration. I don't see that in public polling. I don't see that in our conversations. And I don't see that in door knocking. I don't. And I think the president the last two weeks, the reason why he took that Des Moines register poll from 47 and 47 percent in September to now right. 47 to 41 and leading with independence is his message has been so good the last two to three weeks. And his final debate performance was everything that anxious suburban Republicans needed yeah. to go confidently it's say, true. OK, I got it. He was yeah. calm. He was cool. He was collected. Biden was angry, bitter and mean and radical. I'm going to go vote for Trump. And that's why I think you're starting to see that kind of separation speed. Um, but it very well could be that Democrats surprise us uh, and may have a suburban surge, the likes of which we've never seen. Uh, if suburban voters show up to 85, 90 percent turnout, which I think is unlikely, right. and Biden wins 70 percent of them, it doesn't matter how many rural voters we have. We yeah, can't cancel can't, that out. No, you can't. No, no chance. Yeah. Well, that's fascinating. Charlie, after the election, we've been through this extraordinary moment. We've had COVID. We've had the, the violence in the cities. We've had censorship in the social media. You yourself being a victim of it. Um, uh, there's all this antagonism. No matter who wins, who makes the first step at going and calming this country down and getting us to think more about the we in America, not the us and them in America? That's got to be the next president, whether it's Trump or Biden, got to be one of their top agenda items. Don't you agree? Yeah, I would hope so. And uh, if President Trump wins, I think that you'll see an explosion of rebellion. And then I think it'll fizzle out. Yeah, I think that'll fizzle out after a couple of weeks when people realize there's not an election with his name on it and we lost and he won. And you'll see a Democrat civil war. You'll see all that kind of sure. energy go into a Democrat civil war. If Biden wins, um, I don't I don't think Republicans and Trump supporters are going to go burn down American cities. That's not who we are. I don't think that'll happen. And by the way, if anyone does that, I'll denounce it and I'll say, cut it out. We lost. Go yeah. back to work. Right. I mean, that's just that's how that's how we operate. That's not unfortunately how they do. Um, and then, yeah, if Joe Biden wins, my my wish is if Joe Biden wins, I hope he actually governs like the person he's telling us he is, which we know he isn't. I'm cynical and skeptical. I think it's unlikely, but I'd love to see him be a moderate if he wins. Again, I, I don't know. I don't think his chances of winning are what other people say. But if he actually is a center right candidate who will allow us to still be energy independent, and not go after fracking, which, by the way, he says the opposite right, a couple months does. ago. Yeah. But I will, here's why I say this, John. I actually want what's best for my country. Like, I actually kind of want America to be an awesome place to live and to build a family and yeah. have the American way of life. Um, and I don't want to see Kamala Harris become president where we have the most liberal senator take over the executive branch. Um, and so. That my agenda is hopefully for the country by January, or February, we're fully open. Uh, we have economic numbers that are responding and rebound, you know, yeah. rebounding. And I hope that the courts don't get politicized. I hope that D.C. and Puerto Rico don't get be made as federal states. Right. Um, I hope that liberal states don't get blanketly, you know, bailed out from the bankruptcy. Obviously, I know what president's going to prevent all those things from happening. And we already have him as sure. president. Um, but, yeah, I think that the president has to then win and then take us through a healing moment because this year has been uh, unpredictable and turbulent at best. It has indeed. There's no doubt about it. Well, Charlie, as always, we are so blessed to have you on the show. Congratulations on all the success and all the work you've done. I know you've been working tirelessly and in a couple of days, we're going to know the, the fruit of that labor. Uh, we'll so see. thank you very much for all you do. We'll have you back on after the show to help us make sense of it all after the election. Okay. Thanks, John. Thanks, Charlie. Have Bye. a good night. Bye-bye. All right, folks, we'll be right back after the commercial break to wrap things up for today. 
Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote. It's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.us slash just news. That's AMAC.us forward slash just news. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the Election Eve edition. So thankful to have Charlie Kirk here to give us his insights, his thoughts, his analysis from the front lines where he's been campaigning tirelessly for weeks. Tomorrow, Mike Lindell, another guy who's gotten into politics late, but working hard. He's going to be here for uh, our whole podcast, the Election Day podcast. Uh, Don't miss it. Until then, have a good night and get ready if you haven't voted. Go to those polls tomorrow. Exercise your constitutional right, the extraordinary right, to cast a ballot and to vote in America. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you, because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited-time 
IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Hey folks, can your IRA or 401k stand up to the next financial crisis that our top economists are saying is right at our doorstep? By allocating a percentage of your retirement into physical gold and silver with a tax-free rollover, you can diversify and safeguard your holdings from a turbulent market and economic downturns. All you got to do is put your IRA back on the gold standard. With a multi-trillion dollar trade deficit and ongoing geopolitical instability, experts say now is the time to make the switch. Find out how to safeguard your assets with a tax-free rollover with a Genesis Gold IRA, the only IRA that can hold physical precious metals. Protect your retirement today with one simple phone call and receive your free gold and silver guide from my good friends at Genesis Gold. To do that, call Genesis Gold Group today at 800 200 G-O-L-D, gold. That's 800-200-GOLD. And find out how you can add precious metals to your IRA. One more time, let me give you the number. It's 800-200-4653. gold Or visit them at genesisgoldgroup.com. Genesis Gold, welcome to the John Solomon Just the News family. 